Book Six, Chapter Eight of Henrietta Temple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Henrietta Temple by Benjamin Disraeli. Book Six, Chapter Eight, which is rather strange. It was on the morning after the assembly at Belair House that Ferdinand was roused from his welcome slumbers, for he had passed an almost sleepless night, by his servant bringing him a note, and telling him that it had been left by a lady in a carriage. He opened it and read as follows. Silly, silly Captain Armine, why did you not come to my Vauxhall last night? I wanted to present you to the fairest damsel in the world, who has great fortune too but that you don't care about. When are you going to be married? Miss Grandison looked charming, but disconsolate without her knight. Your mother is an angel, and the Duchess of is quite in love with her. Your father, too, is a worthy man. I love your family very much. Come and call upon poor old doting bedridden H.B., who is at home every day from two to six to receive her friends. Has charming Lady Armine got a page? I have one that would just suit her. He teases my poor squirrel so that I am obliged to turn him away. But he is a real treasure. That fine lady, Mrs. Montgomery Floyd, would give her ears for him. But I love your mother much more, and so she shall have him. He shall come to her to-night. All the world takes tea with H.B. on Thursday and Saturday. One o'clock, said Ferdinand. I may as well get up and call in Brook Street and save my mother from this threatened infliction. Hey-ho! Day after day, and each more more miserable than the other. How will this end? When Ferdinand arrived in Brook Street, he went upstairs without being announced, and found in the drawing-room, besides his mother and Catherine, the Duchess, Lord Montfort, and Henrietta Temple. The young ladies were in their riding habits. Henrietta appeared before him, the same Henrietta whom he had met for the first time in the Plusance at Armine. Retreat was impossible. Her grace received Ferdinand cordially, and reminded him of old days. Henrietta bowed, but she was sitting at some distance with Miss Grandison, looking at some work. Her occupation covered her confusion. Lord Montfort came forward with extended hand. "'I have the pleasure of meeting an old friend,' said his lordship. Ferdinand just touched his lordship's finger and bowed rather stiffly. Then, turning to his mother, he gave her Lady Belair's note. "'It concerns you more than myself,' he observed. "'You were not at Lady Belair's last night, Captain Armine,' said Her Grace. "'I never go anywhere,' was the answer. He has been a great invalid, said Lady Armine. Where is Glastonbury, Ferdinand? said Lady Armine. He never comes near us. He goes every day to the British Museum. I wish he would take me, said Catherine. I have never been there. Have you? she inquired, turning to Henrietta. I am ashamed to say never, replied Henrietta. It seems to me that London is the only city of which I know nothing. Ferdinand, said Catherine. I wish you would go with us to the museum some day. Miss Temple would like to go. You know Miss Temple, she added, as if she of course supposed that he had not that pleasure. Ferdinand bowed. 
Lord Montfort came forward and turned the conversation to Egyptian antiquities. When a quarter of an hour had passed, Ferdinand thought that he might now withdraw. "'Do you dine at home, Catherine, to-day?' he inquired. Miss Grandison looked at Miss Temple. The young ladies whispered. Ferdinand said, Catherine, what are you going to do? Nothing particular. We are going to ride, and Miss Temple wishes you would come with us. I should be very happy, but I have some business to attend to. Dear Ferdinand, this is what you always say. You really appear to me to be the most busy person in the world. Pray come, Captain Armine, said Lord Montfort. Thank you. It is really not in my power. His hat was in his hand. He was begging her grace to bear his compliments to the Duke, when Henrietta rose from her seat, and coming up to him said, Do, Captain Armine, come with us, I ask you as a favour. That voice, oh, it came o'er his ear like the sweet south. It unmanned him quite. He scarcely knew where he was. He trembled from head to foot. His colour deserted him, and the unlucky hat fell to the floor. And yet she stood before him, awaiting his reply calm quite calm serious apparently a little anxious the duchess was in earnest conversation with his mother lord montfort had walked up to miss grandison and was engaged in arranging a pattern for her ferdinand and henrietta were quite unobserved he looked up he caught her eye and then he whispered this is hardly fair she stretched forth her hand took his hat and laid it on the table then turning to Catherine, she said in a tone which seemed to admit no doubt, Captain Armine will ride with us, and she seated herself by Lady Armine. The expedition was a little delayed by Ferdinand having to send for his horse. The others had, in the meantime, arrived. Yet this half-hour, by some contrivance, did at length disappear. Lord Montfort continued talking to Miss Grandison. Henrietta remained seated by Lady Armine. Ferdinand revolved a great question in his mind, and it was this. Was Lord Montfort aware of the intimate acquaintance between himself and Miss Temple? And what was the moving principle of her present conduct? He conjured up a thousand reasons, but none satisfied him. His curiosity was excited, and instead of regretting his extracted promise to join the cavalcade, he rejoiced that an opportunity was thus afforded him of perhaps solving a problem in the secret of which he now began to feel extremely interested. And yet in truth, when Ferdinand found himself really mounted and riding by the side of Henrietta Temple once more, for Lord Montfort was very impartial in his attentions to his fair companions, and Ferdinand continually found himself next to Henrietta, he really began to think the world was bewitched, and was almost sceptical whether he was or was not Ferdinand Armine. The identity of his companion, too, was so complete. Henrietta Temple, in her riding habit, was the very image most keenly impressed upon his memory. He looked at her, and stared at her, with a face of curious perplexity. She did not indeed speak much. Conversation was always general, and chiefly maintained by Lord Montfort, who, though usually silent and reserved, made, on this occasion, successful efforts to be amusing. His attention to Ferdinand, too, was remarkable. It was impossible to resist such a genuine and unaffected kindness. It smote Ferdinand's heart that he had received his lordship's first advances so ungraciously. Compunction rendered him now doubly courteous. 
he was even once or twice almost gay the day was as fine as a clear sky a warm sun and a western breeze could render it tempted by so much enjoyment their ride was long it was late much later than they expected when they returned home by the green lanes of pretty willesden and the park was quite empty when they emerged from the edgware road into oxford street now the best thing we can do is dine in st james square said lord montfort it's ten minutes past eight we shall just be in time and then we can send messages to grosvenor square and brook street what say you are mine you will come of course thank you if you would excuse me no no why excuse you said lord montfort i think it's shabby to desert us now after all our adventures really you are very kind but i never dine out dine out what a phrase you will not meet a human being perhaps not even my father if you will not come it will spoil everything i cannot dine in a frock said ferdinand i shall said lord montfort and these ladies must dine in their habits i suspect oh certainly certainly said the ladies do come ferdinand said catherine i ask you as a favour said henrietta turning to him and speaking in a low voice well said ferdinand with a sigh that is well said montfort now let us trot through the park and the groom can call in grosvenor square and brook street and gallop after us this is amusing is it not end of book six chapter eight recording by peter keeble nottingham united kingdom www.peterkeeble.blogspot.com